Tom Bergeron. Can, can I just say, uh, I feel bad for everybody watching that you didn't get the pre-show. <laughs> the pre-show was worth its weight. Watching Vicky try to organize everything, coming in right under the wire, having technical issues. I have rarely been so entertained. You know, but I got to tell you, Tom, we got on at five o'clock. There you go. In, in you spite go. of my my craziness, we did it. <laughs> we did it uh, in spite of me. Hi, Tom. How are you, Vicky? There you go. In, in oh God! Of... And that's fun thing that always happens. I, I'm I'm a little rattled now, but getting better. Well, that's all right. Just just be at one with your podcast. Maybe we should do a little meditation. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I was just thinking about you and, and how much I need your assistance in right. becoming a, a meditation. I still fail miserably at it. Now, when you say you fail miserably, what constitutes failure? Okay. So first of all, I have a hard time not thinking about what I'm going to eat when I'm done. Right. I have a, I never get to a place where my mind is blank. Nor do, do I. Really? Mm -hmm. That is the, the most common mistake people make when they're trying to establish some sort of meditation practice is that they think that somehow they should yeah. get to a place where they have no other thoughts, but either their mantra or breath or whatever. Right. Well, that's what's the technical word. Oh yeah. Bullshit. Um, <laughs> it, it just never, there's always going to be thoughts that the key is not to judge them is once you're aware that your, your focus has right. shifted a bit without judgment. Oh, okay. And just come right back to whatever it is. Now, in my case, I did uh, transcendental meditation training. It's a mantra. I just come back. To Are you going to tell me your mind? Will you whisper? Nope. Yeah, I know you. No, nope. <laughs> no. Nope. Under penalty of death. No. Um, but you just come back. It's in, it, I was talking to my trainer the other day about the yeah. similarities between a workout in the gym and the mental workout that you go through when you learn to and when you practice meditation. It's like building any kind of muscle. This okay, is just so a now, mental Tom, muscle. How do you build that? I don't know how to build that muscle. How do you do Repetition it? Repetition. And, okay. and uh, the same way you would if you were, you know, uh, trying to uh, build muscle at the gym, you, you repetition proper form. And that proper form is really only in my estimation, mm -hmm. in a non-judgmental way, bring yourself back to that focal point. Every time you realize you're drifting, and I've been meditating for over 40 years, and I still, <laughs> like this morning I was meditating, inevitably I started thinking about, you know, oh, well, we're going to do the podcast later, I got to go to the gym, I got to do it. And at the moment I realized I was drifting, I brought it back. And okay, so now tell me back. how you... Okay, I, I listen to calm, calm, calm meditations in the morning, okay. right? So it's a guided meditation. Yeah. And occasionally I can get lost in what they're saying or in the sound, but I'm not gentle with myself when I catch myself. Right. How do you gently, how do you gently, instead of saying you, you schmuck, how, how do you gently bring yourself back to to the thing? How do you do it? Well, I, I would say, uh, uh, do everything that you were suggesting short of you schmuck, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the recognition, the, the, you know, like when I'm in, a, if I'm in a training session and, and right. uh, I'm with a trainer and, and uh, the, they tell me my form is off, you know, 
I don't right. just I don't stop and go stalking off to the shower. Well, that's not I can't do it right. <laughs> you know, you you learn how to do it right. You just keep practicing, and, and it is a meditation practice, and uh, and you get better with it over time. And and I think in the way that as we go through life, we're all to some degree or another critical of ourselves. Sometimes more so than anybody who cares about us or knows us would be. And over time, you just learn to turn that volume down a little bit, but you have to be aware when you're doing it and just uh, just don't beat yourself up about it. So, Tom, you're six months older than me. Does that mean that in six months I'll be able to be oh, yeah. kinder That's to myself? It. It's like two thirds of a pregnancy. You're good. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> the thing is, I would never speak to anyone the way I speak to myself. No, of course not. But, no, you know, we just. Yeah. Oh, the years that I, and look, one of the reasons I started meditating is because I have a bit of a temper. And uh, tell you us know, about that, Tom. Well, well, you know, in the, in the, in the days before I uh, was meditating regularly in my single right. days, there were a few apartments that I, I left that had holes in the sheetrock walls and I'd put posters up to hope, you know, get my security deposit back. Never worked. <laughs> Uh, but I would never, I think I was married to you. No, well, but I would never, uh, that anger was always generated either at inanimate objects or at myself, uh -huh. never at, you know, anybody else, um, really, uh, it was all that sort of self-critical bubbling rage that I had to learn to control. So meditation was your key to doing did you go to like an anger management thing no i did i studied uh I, again i went to a tm course and and uh you know between to me for for me to feel at my best it's almost like mm -hmm. a, a triumvirate it's a meditation exercise and diet and if i get those three things going fairly uh in sync i'm i'm sort of doing my best to me at that point. any one of those three gets out of sync and you know, I, I, I'm losing my best me on a percentage basis. So, so what's the, what's the daily ritual, Tom? What is your, your, how do you get all this in? Cause you're a busy guy. You're well, doing not a lot so of much. Stuff. No, you know, now that I'm in a leisurely semi-retirement, um, <laughs> I'll, you know, I'll get up. I usually am up like around six, six thirty Cause I, I was an old morning radio and TV guy. So those uh -huh. habits die hard. Right. Um, usually uh, get up, have some coffee, read the paper, either the physical paper or digitally meditate for about 20 minutes to a half hour. Then I'm off to the gym for a, a training session, usually around 10. And uh, then, you know, it's lunch with friends, meetings, the occasional podcast guest appearance. I'm doing some, uh, we shot a piece for entertainment tonight that airs this evening uh, to promote uh, a charity event I'm doing for a pet rescue foundation in uh, Studio City. So, you know, there's always a working on a few projects here or there. So the, the day fills up and, and I like the, the sort of leisurely pace of it now. The, uh, okay, so that, the elephant in the room we have to talk about it because sure. as we were discussing uh, yesterday when you accidentally, but based on- Oh, I did, yeah, me, I did. Which was so fun. <laughs> I, I knew you weren't FaceTiming me to like chat, which I could delude myself and say that you were. It was probably a subconscious desire to talk with you. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's it, it Tom. That's so, it so what was so shocking to me was that when the whole Dancing with the Stars thing happened, and I, you know, I was listening to one of our older podcasts, and you never once referred to it 
by that name. You no, I call it, it many... I called it footwork with the famous. I think that was what <laughs> yes. I... you had many names that yeah. you called it. So <laughs> what was so interesting to me was that on all the rags, when it happened, they were quoting you from this show. Well, I think you were the first person I really spoke uh, with about it in any length. Yeah. Um, later, some months later, uh, uh, on Bob Saget, uh, on his podcast, uh, Rest His Soul, um, I, I, I continued to, you know, give, share a little insight. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I think yours, I think too, wasn't it with you that I, that I even though I never got COVID so far, not good, I do have, uh, I think it's just my excuse to have uh, brain farts occasionally. I think I said that the show had changed, I meant to say, starting in 2018. And I think I said, starting in 2008, I lost a whole decade. And uh, the moment you I saw did, that I quoted back it. in some of the reports, I was going, oh, no, 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 it wasn't. No, it was really good up until 2018. <laughs> oh, my God. So we have to talk a little bit about that because sure, that's fine. people yeah, weren't yeah. here. But before we, we, well, no, we're here. So let's go. Yeah, let's do it. So let's do it. So so what happened, Tom? Because there are going to be people watching today that don't know the story. Well, there, you know, 2018 was sort of the the pivotal year. Uh, In what, what way? How so? Well, for whatever reason, both uh, BBC America, which produces mm -hmm. the show for, or used to produce the show for ABC, now it's going over to Disney Plus, but um, they brought in a person to be a co-showrunner, or so I thought, and uh, turned out that wasn't quite his role. He kind of elbowed out the, the woman who was extremely talented and had been running the show quite well. Wow. And uh, he and I, it was clear we had different agendas. I wanted to do a show that people would watch and he didn't. Um, so, <laughs> so, can, can, you give, can you give me an example of? Well, here's, you know, increasingly the bookings were... Um, to, and again, you have to filter this. This is my perspective on what the okay. show at its best right. uh, was. And I think it was a two hour escape from, you yeah. know, the rest of your week and the rest of your life. It's sort of a nice oasis of fun and, and uh, obvious kitsch and a great, we had a great sense of humor about what we were doing, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And they started bringing in more um, political people, um, which up to a point I didn't have an issue with until we got to the cusp of an election year, mm -hmm. which is where we were in what turned out to be my final season of 2019. Now to backtrack at the end of 2018, right? we knew that there wouldn't be a spring season so that there'd be essentially the better part of a year between seasons. Uh, okay. we, we wrapped November of 2018. We we're going to premiere in September of 2019. Mm -hmm. Over the summer of 2019, I had a couple of meetings uh, with uh, one with this uh, now ousted showrunner. And uh, oh, and, really? Uh, the showrunner was ousted? Yes, he was. Yes, because okay. as I said on Twitter, karma's a bitch. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it can be. Except so, you're not a fatalist. You don't believe in. Well, we'll let's talk about that. Later. Yeah. Go ahead. So I had a couple of lunches, and in those lunches. Uh, the showrunner at one and an executive in the other mm -hmm. said, what do you think we should be doing? You know, once we come back, I said, well, look, I, we've played our strengths. I think the key thing is we're coming up on an election year. Mm -hmm. uh, let's not have any political people 
let's not go there. Let's, let's make it an oasis from all that. Um, and they both agreed in that way that Hollywood people can always make you believe them. Um, <laughs> they agreed with me until they actually booked the show. And then uh, they booked a, a, a very divisive political figure. Um, and, and as I told that person, uh, when I saw him backstage, I said, you, you got to know, it's not about you. It's not about your party. I feel this way about any politician, even one I voted for. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if they had, uh, I, I tend to lean more democratic. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I said, if they booked Hillary Clinton, I would have released the same statement. I don't think it's appropriate. Oh, you released for... a statement. So it wasn't yes. just a yeah. personal conversation. No, it was a statement saying, okay, uh, thought the show was going in one direction. Clearly they've made a different decision. We can agree to disagree, um, but there you go. Uh -huh. And uh, so it was a fairly tense uh, final season for me uh, and probably for them too, because- uh, Now wait, when you made this statement, did you know that this was gonna be the end for you or did you do this <laughs> before that? I, th I When I released it, my lawyer actually told me because he read the statement first and he said, no, it's, it's very well worded. It doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, it, it doesn't uh, target anybody. I mean, you're talking about a sort of macro philosophy you have about the show. Right. He said, that being said, if you release it, you're probably putting a bullseye on your back. And at that point, because I felt uh, like I had been uh, deceived mm -hmm. um, and I was getting a fairly clear sense from the fan base who would contact me through social media that they had had it at that point mm -hmm. um yeah i just thought you know that's a bullseye i'm willing to wear at this point so i released it and and as i've said and uh, i think i said to to bob saget uh, when we did the podcast with him i said you know i i kind of knew that it was the end um so anything i really liked in my dressing room at the end of that season <laughs> i took with me i just took it <laughs> i just took it with me i think some of it's hanging right here as a matter of fact <laughs> <laughs> So, so that had to be a really uncomfortable, I would think, set to be on. It was, it, it would have been more uncomfortable if it wasn't for Aaron. Uh, Aaron Andrews, uh, I tell you, you want, you want a friend uh, with you in a foxhole. She's the one to pick. The two of us would just lock arms and do the show. I don't think anybody who watched the show mm -hmm. knew of any of the backstage of histrionics not. going on because we committed to each other, we're just going to, we're, you know, we're going to entertain you. We're going to go out and do the show the same way we always do it. And uh, there you go. So, but it was, it, I, I think it was very helpful for me to have Aaron with me. During now that I was, that was going to be my next question. So I'm really happy you, you brought that up because as I recall, Dancing with the Stars, you were the sole host. Mm -mm. You were no. never the sole host? Never. No, I had. Um, Why do I think I that? had more uh, show wives than uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor had real husbands. <laughs> Who was your first? Uh, Lisa Canning was my first uh, co-host. That, that was remember. during the, the first season in 2005. Yeah. Then it was Samantha Harris. I remember Samantha. Uh, then Brooke Burke. And after Brooke, Brooke was, was uh, Aaron. See, for me, they always annoyed me. They were always oh, in the no. way. Oh, no. Yes, they were really? always in the way because they... They weren't you. And so well, whenever they, you know, it I needed, to them. I needed my rest. 
I well, can't do, I, I'm only well, one, as Regis used to say, I'm only one man. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm sure that, that, I mean, I'm saying this now because looking back, but for me, when it wasn't you doing the talking, it was kind of white bread. It was kind of vanilla and it wasn't as fun. Well, you have to remember though, the role that the co-host had, I think was more difficult in a lot of ways because whether it was Lisa or Samantha or Brooke mm -hmm. or Aaron, what they had to do was take the couples sort of as they were about to get their scores or right after at their height of anxiety mm -hmm. and then you know get either the uh, uh, exaltation of a great score or the humiliation of a lousy one and then she, and then that person has to talk with them and right. has to kind of you know get the uh, some sort of conversational blood from that stone so it, it you know it was a, it's a tough it's a tough gig and i think each of them in their own way handled it uh, exceptionally well um aaron and i just on a on a personality basis i think clicked best because i never knew what she was going to say and i love that I love wow. the unpredictability. So she wasn't just following the script. No, 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 no. Because uh -uh, I know you weren't. Well, I know. <laughs> no. so, but the best lines you had were the ones you had lived. Right. How how right. were the producers with that? Did they were they relaxed enough? They knew that, mm -hmm. and they were good with it. Or yeah. did oh, you yeah, get yeah. Uh, yeah. so you didn't get any crap about that? No, no. Even I have to say, even um, at the end with the producer that uh, I locked horns with, that mm -hmm. was never part of the the issue at all. It was never a tonal uh, discussion about me ad-libbing or something like that. How, how, how were the writers who wrote for you? I mean, did you, did you ever do their, were their jokes ever as there good was, as yours? There was a, <laughs> oh, there was one, yeah, that kind of, it's interesting. There was uh, one writer on the show, Dave Boone, who's written mm -hmm. for the Tonys and Oscars and all that. Mm -hmm. And we've been friends for years. And in that first season in 2005, when we yeah. didn't really know what we were getting into, I mean, it was mm -hmm. all new to all of us, there was a lot of scripted jokes. And while some of them, you know, were, were good and some not so much, but, you know, very similar to my ad libs, some are good, some not so much. <laughs> I, I um, don't know. You, but, you haven't really ever let me down. Well, thank you. You're too kind. But uh, I, I remember saying after that first season, um, and I didn't want to insult Dave, but I said, you know, I just feel it feels weird on a live show mm -hmm. to be doing scripted jokes that probably don't have any bearing on what just happened. Oh, so wouldn't it yes. be better for me to just react honestly, whether that be with humor or compassion or defending the couple against the judges or whatever, but, but make it organic because a live show, like a live conversation is mm -hmm. organic. And, and you try to script that uh, and it just, it, it feels weird, it feels off. And so luckily for me, the producers allowed me uh, enough rope to potentially hang myself, which ultimately <laughs> I did. <laughs> by it choice took, it took over a decade but i did but but that was by choice I yeah mean, that you was knew you, you did not have to release that statement that's exactly you, right you no, that was a, that was that was me saying enough yeah and do you have any regrets about that time no no if 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 the same uh, circumstances were to play out uh again yeah i would have done everything exactly the same uh, except maybe at those lunches, I would have said, no chance you're lying to me right now, is it? 
<laughs> I just want to, can I see if your nose is growing a little bit? You're doing Could Pinocchio? Could sign this little yeah, paper? Yeah, sign right this. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a blood oath here. <laughs> oh, you don't have any. Oh, okay. Oh, God. So the show did change over the years. And yeah. Um, what was yeah, I mean, any show would that's on well, yes. as long as that show has been on. Did you? Were you able to, because you were making it new all the time, were you mm -hmm. able to keep it fun for yourself? Yes. I, yeah. Up until, I, really, it was up until those last, yeah, I think in 2018, um, there was a four week, like an athlete season or something like that, that I just thought was not produced very well, mm -hmm. which was my first indication. And then, <laughs> uh, and then the, the, the season in 2018, I think that was the one Bobby Bones won. They were changing the voting around it. So there were things that it just seemed like we were losing focus a bit to mm. me. Uh, I think the show got a little too big for its own britches sometimes. I think uh, some of the production numbers were um, overly complex and mm -hmm. the dancing kind of got lost in that. Mm. But, you know, those are those are easy to fix things when you get into, as I think they did in the couple of years since I've been gone. Um, I, I felt that they were already starting to disrespect the pros. You weren't really? hearing their how, last, you weren't hearing so? their last names anymore. They weren't able to do their own choreography or, or choose their own wardrobes. And these are, you know, I've, I've worked with some of them for their dear friends and I've, I've known them for, you know, almost 20 years now. They know what they're doing. And uh, these people who came in who thought they knew better didn't know what they were doing. So, you know, I, that was the first thing. Uh, it, it's been rumored. I don't know if it's official yet, but the first producer I worked with, who I have the greatest respect for, Conrad mm -hmm. Green, uh, is in negotiations to go back to the show. Nice. And so I texted him. We, we're still fr friends and we're in contact. And I, I said, look, the first thing you need to do is give the pros their control back and their mm -hmm. self-respect back and their dignity back because that's, you know, they're the heart and soul of it, I think. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you start uh, minimizing their appreciation for what they can bring to it. And you're just, you're just asking to be canceled. You know? Do you think it's heading that way? Well, it was canceled. <laughs> it oh, you was. know, I don't even well, know. I mean, it's, it's been, I don't even I haven't yeah, watched it since you uh, left. I haven't it's, watched. It's um, I should I should put an asterisk. It's been repositioned. It's no longer on ABC, but it'll be on Disney Plus. Now that could be, uh, you know, streaming is mm -hmm. is where so much is happening now. Right. I mean, during the pandemic, I got to be honest. Most of what uh, Lois and I watched was all streaming stuff. So right. it could be that this is uh, a brilliant, timely way to give the show more life. And I would say, because I'm biased here, you mm -hmm. bring Conrad back and you've improved your odds markedly. So, um, you know, it could it could well be, uh, as I said, I think in one interview, could put a new spring to its step. Uh, Do you think perhaps there's a chance they'll come back for their, their, their original host? <laughs> <laughs> if they bring him back, I was having, I'll, be, I'll, I'll tell you something I haven't told anybody else. I was having lunch with Cheryl Burke and Cheryl was the one that told me that Conrad was, was talking uh, to them. Mm -hmm. So we sent him a, we sent him a video from the restaurant. I said, you son of a bitch. 
you'd be the only person who would make me even think about it. So, yeah. Well, you know, never say never. You never know. As, as Sean, Con uh, yeah, Sean Connery, I think that was the title of his last James Bond movie, wasn't it? <laughs> never say never again. So you never know. But I, look, well, irrespective of me, I'm just, I'm just happy that they finally uh, came to their senses and are bringing somebody in who can really right the ship. Yeah. Well, I, you have a great attitude about it. And I think it's been, I, well, here's the thing. And this is what uh, I've said from the start. However, it played out at the end. I have been exceedingly fortunate. I mean, I had two network shows on simultaneously for a decade and a half. That's unbelievable. I mean, you're, you're not going to hear coin, me. Whining. Man, you're huh? well, that's <laughs> why do you think I'm nice and relaxed about a leisurely day now? <laughs> Well, you you worked your ass off to get yeah, it, but it was but but it's always uh, with with rare exceptions. It was always fun. I think one of the things I miss most isn't so much doing the show, but I would throw parties for the staff, cast, and crew mid season parties because, as you know, on any big production, different departments rarely get to sure. interact because mm -hmm. they're all off in their own little. Even pre pandemic, we're all off in our little pods, doing our own things. All of those things have to come together to make the show. Right. But whole seasons would go by and, you know, people wouldn't even know who, who that person is, even if they're doing the graphics or the camera guy or whatever. So I would do these mid-season parties and there were no plus ones allowed. It was just us. Aren't so you, you brilliant? See, so you didn't have to always worry about, oh, you having fun? Okay, because I'll be over here. <laughs> you know, so it was always, it's just the team. And, and wow. the, the benefit for me is days after these parties, I would get the best stories about hangovers and hookups. <laughs> so it paid dividends. And hookups. I <laughs> yeah. think that's a new show. Hang on yeah, hangovers and hookups, ladies Plus. and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, that's really brilliant, though. I was in a social situation uh, last night for the very first time in two plus years, I went to a concert, I went to the Hollywood Bowl. I have, we're gonna talk about your, but you know, it, I was meeting peep couples and peep and, and, it, and it does, that becomes the focus. Yes. Is making sure that people are everybody's that's right. comfortable. Right, right. And, so and I really wanted genius. to, I wanted those, you know, those, that one night, every season, mid season, to be completely free of that. So it was just team building. And uh, and it was also, to be honest, and this is the New England uh, Yankee in me coming out. Um, and I don't mean that for Red Sox fans watching. Yes, I am a Red Sox fan. I meant Yankee <laughs> as the region, not the team. Um, I, I did really well, uh, uh, you know, doing my little ad-libbing yeah. job. So, you know, and, and a lot of these people, most of the people, on the show are working 12 and 16 hour days. Right. So, you know, it didn't cost me a lot in, in actual dollars to create an environment where that could be appreciated right. because I benefited from the sandbox they built for me. You know what I mean? And so was even your wife Lois not there? Nope, wasn't invited. And did anybody take offense? D did you ever get blowback? Because yeah, yeah. Martina Navratilova brought uh, her partner, and uh, we told her she couldn't come in. <laughs> yeah, I said, wow. you knew, no plus ones. There's a bar next door. She can wait for you. 
but yeah, no, I was very strict with that because oh, so not... you even had the people who were dancing. It wasn't just the oh yeah the pros. No. It was the everybody. No, there were no plus ones. Uh, and and the the people that tended to try to break that were the stars who thought right, well, he course. doesn't mean, he doesn't he doesn't mean us. Yeah, especially you. <laughs> yeah, I, see, yeah. I didn't realize you included the stars. I thought it was. Oh just yeah, no, no. Whoever the was on the no, no. Whoever was on the cast or in the cast that season is part of the team, obviously, and uh, so they they were all invited, but they couldn't bring their publicist or manager or agent. None of that. You come by yourself, like a grown up, and uh, and you know they can meet you later. I bet there were celebrities that struggled with that because they there don't were get some, told, they don't some, get told yeah, no. Yeah. Um, there, some of the judges didn't come because, you know, they couldn't bring a date. I said, no, sorry. No. Wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. Oh, I was, I was very strict. I'm going to throw a party, but I'm very strict. Uh, yeah, but I think that's I, I kind of like the I I'm, I'm I don't can't think of a situation offhand where that would be applicable to my life, but I like the idea of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, because and I, it yeah. did do exactly what I hoped it would do. It it get, everybody felt a little bit more part of a bigger team Absolutely. because then they were seeing people. Oh, you know that they had actually, you know, uh, gotten drunk with or hung out with or got to know that they hadn't met previously. So that was all, you know, that was all part of the the reason I did it. It cuts out all that silly little small talk. Yeah. Oh because you you all have this. It's all shop common. talk. Yeah, yeah, it's all shop talk, yeah, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah. So, so Tom, over the years, favorite, favorite, I, I guess I'm going to say celebrities that, um, like, did you like Bruno as much as you appear to like yes, Bruno? Uh, yes, yes. I'm very fond of, I, I'll tell you, there, there's nobody that I can think of uh, whom you would have seen me interact with on camera over the run of my time as host. And I'm talking about the regular, the pros and the right. judges and all that. Right. You know, I, I have nothing but fond feelings for all of them. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. So were there any celebrities that stood out for you that made a season really special for you because you just loved their company? The, the, it was, uh, you know, the unexpected people. Uh, oh, yeah? And going back to the early years of the show, mm -hmm. like George Hamilton and Jerry Springer. Wow. You know, people like that. Jerry Springer turned out to be such a, a mensch. I mean, it was, you know, because I was only familiar with him from his old talk show. Uh -huh. And when I told, I was told that they, they'd booked Jerry Springer, really? And then he came, all he wanted to do was learn how to dance for his daughter's wedding. I remember and that. it was just so sweet. I mean, Layla Ali and her dad, who, mm. uh, who was there for one of the shows at that point, the Parkinson's had, had progressed so that he, he really couldn't speak. Mm. Um, but uh, I had met him first on a flight uh, from LA to New York, he, he was sitting in the seat next to me, Muhammad Ali. I was wow. in the middle seat and Muhammad Ali and his wife were sitting right next to me. So like all during the flight. And at that point, this is some years prior to him be, uh, to mm -hmm. Layla being on Dancing with the Stars. I don't, I wasn't even doing Dancing with the Stars. And I think it was videos in Hollywood squares at that point. And, uh, so all during the flight, I'm thinking, oh, say something i mean muhammad ali and he was drawing a picture because he, he it would help with his parkinson's he he drew huh. uh pictures um with colored pencils and i finally summoned up the courage about an hour out of La uh, new york 
and I turned and, you know, Muhammad Ali has spent, had spent his whole life in the public eye on a global scale. So I'm oh, sure yeah. he knew when somebody was about to try to talk to him. So I turned and he already <laughs> had his fists up. And he said in that, that sweet whisper, he went, I really like your show. And his, his wife said, yeah, well, we watch uh, America's Funniest Videos and all that. And he signed the picture that he had been drawing and he gave it to me. Oh. So I have an original Muhammad oh. Ali artwork. And so uh, what a few Tom, years- Tom, what is it? Well, it's funny, it, uh, Layla, when I told Layla that I had met, I, before he showed up at Dancing with the Stars, I said, oh, Layla, I met your dad a few years ago on a flight and he was just so sweet. And he gave me a picture that he had been drawing. And she said, was it the sailing ships or the fighter jets? <laughs> I said, it was fighter jets. She goes, yeah, he always does one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a that's a much cherished uh, possession. Wow, how great yeah. is that? Mm. Well, and so I assume, and I'm not going to put you on the spot to tell, were there seasons that were horrible because of a guest that was just? Well, there difficult? were seasons. There, there were seasons where I was starting to worry mm -hmm. that we were getting on a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. You know that it was starting to really do we want to go like I think Tom DeLay was booked in in one season um and I thought yeah, okay maybe and then uh, Tucker Carlson uh was was booked and uh so I was starting to worry then uh, a little bit you know isolated it wasn't every season but it would just be really you sure okay I get you you know I get the idea that that some people feel that there's no such thing as bad publicity let me tell you <laughs> yeah, there <it> is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> There's, especially if if you're kind of undermining the real potential of the show, you know, the, the potential of the show to be a, a, a kind of joyous. I mean, I don't I, I get you want like we had Ryan Lochte on, you know, and I thought, OK, here's a guy who he you know, he kind of putzed it up and there's a little bit of image rehabilitation and it, it, I get that. Mm -hmm. um but i don't know it, it's it's uh there there were occasions where i felt that they overcompensated in their desire to be controversial and i i don't think that did the show ultimately any favors how how was it behind the scenes with these celebrities like did they go to their individual corners did did people become like family did they socialize like how, yeah more how? often yeah more often than not it was really quite charming and i think it spoke to the the show at its best you'd see people who are coming out competing against each other um every week and also cheering each other on very genuinely well i mean uh, we and, saw that on camera I was yeah no it was very it was, it was very sincere. real i'm sure uh -huh. that they you know there was a competitive edge and each person wanted to win and and all that, but but I think to to a large degree, with possibly few exceptions that I can't think of off the top of my head, it was a very mutually supportive mm -hmm. environment, and I think that was a large part of its charm. You know, the pros would help each other do some choreography from time to time, and you know, and and uh, you'd see competitors cheering each other on uh, among the the celebs that were booked. I think that was part of the sweetest aspect of it. There were definitely few very competitor, competitive competitors 
that you could see mm. really wanted to win. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those are the ones I was really curious about. Like, was it like feigned graciousness or could they turn it off when they were just watching? Well, you know, people? it's interesting. There was one season that we thought was going to be, we were so proud of ourselves. We thought, oh, this, we've been on long enough. Let's do an all-star season. Let's bring back some of the previous champions or runners up who right. uh, endeared themselves to the audience the most and have them compete against each other. Right. And it was Conrad after the, uh, the ratings weren't exactly what we thought. And Conrad uh, had the best line. He said, you know, the problem, which we should have thought of ahead of time. 15 people come in as champions and 14 leave as losers. <laughs> I went, oh yeah, you're right. Oh and, my God. And, and to your earlier point, they, some of the ones who had the most fun in their initial seasons got right. really competitive in the all-star season. So whatever joie de vivre that they originally had, they just got very kind of into the competition and it wasn't as much fun. <laughs> it Aww. was really interesting um that it, it it wasn't as as much fun for them or i think ultimately for the audience as the as the numbers showed us uh three people have asked so far did the judges get along with each other would they did they like each other what was that yeah uh, i i i i've seen no indication that they didn't they uh their trailers were all together they'd be hanging out uh, outside their trailers you know bruno would inevitably be sunning himself and uh, and yeah, everybody, uh, the core group got along very, very well, uh, all along, I think. Did, okay, so now I'm also being asked, was there, who was the most difficult person, star to ever call? I'm not going to ask you to name, but what, what were there stars that were challenging for their pros? Oh, and yeah. For oh, yeah. They, they never tried to pull that crap with me because um, they're on live television with me and <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'll make you look like an idiot. <laughs> um, especially if you're pissing off one of my friends whom you're dancing with. Uh, and that did happen. I would, uh, you know, I'd, I'd go out to dinner or, or drink with some of the pros during their respective seasons. And they would tell me horror stories in some cases about the, the partners they had. And, and uh, the, the, you know, it's interesting, the best uh, athletes I think were the best stars on the show because they were used to being coached they were used to being in competition more often than not they didn't lead with their ego they led with the fun of it you know right you know you got like somebody like Emmett Smith who's won a Super Bowl you know it's it, he's not going to get flustered learning a quick step um, but you'd get some people whose careers maybe had, uh, it, they'd hit their height a few years earlier and they were trying to come and they were insecure and they made that insecurity, uh, into a, uh, a weapon, you know, because oh. they, they would just be abusive verbally or whatever to oh, their partner because they just, you know, to, to mask their own insecurity, I think as I'm playing amateur psychologist here, but. Uh, yeah, it's the people who were most comfortable in their own skins had the most fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's true in most things in life. That makes sense. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, I would imagine that some of the celebrities, many, I would guess, had to be overwhelmed with some of that. I mean, their oh, dance yeah. moves were really yeah. complex. Yeah. yeah, that's one, that's one of the key reasons I did a dance in season two. I did a quick step 
I wanted to know what they felt. I wanted to mm. feel the kind of because intellectually you can you can surmise it's right. gonna be unnerving and difficult. But right. when you feel it in every nerve ending in your body, <laughs> that's different. And I really think it helped me host the show better to wow. experience what they went through. Uh, and I was actually given the out by the co-exec producer at the time, uh, Izzy Pick, who then later got harangued me into doing the mass Singer as a singing taco. Um, but uh, she that's said, so you know, if you want to tape it we, we you don't have to do it live i said well that's the point the point is that's to do cheating. it live then you don't have the that's experience. cheating exactly right. right then you don't so. have the experience that you're looking to right to it understand. was sweet of her to offer that though but no I, it was. I, did, I did it live i'm sure there were a lot of stars that wish they would have had that offer <laughs> <laughs> well and it was funny years later when i did the mass singer because i was i was dressed like a taco we're going to talk had this about big, that somebody asked yeah about big it. tomato yeah. head on so I said to Izzy at that point, because she was the executive producer of that show at that point, I said, so I can pre-record the singing, right? Because no one's going to, she, oh, no, no, you have to sing live. Oh, oh, come on. Okay, so somebody <laughs> asked, did you have a good time? So tell us I, about that experience. I did up to a point. Um, okay. I did three numbers. The first one was Fly Me to the Moon, sort of the Sinatra version of that. Mm -hmm. And I actually had Sinatra's... Uh, musicians did the track for that wow. the ones that he were with him in vegas and things uh, they weren't playing live but they right. recorded the track for me to sing against that was in my wheelhouse that i felt comfortable with and it, it was I the best of the, of the three i'm good tom and it was fun that none of the judges guessed it was me right the next song oh, come was, on isn't that whole show rigged come on well i don't know i i can't speak to um what they do behind the scenes. All I know is that they didn't know mm -hmm. and were genuinely shocked when I pulled off my tomato. <laughs> and that's not a metaphor by any, if you're just tuning in. Um, but no, it was, it was hard. I, I taped over two days. So mm -hmm. the day I did fly me to the moon and was, I didn't even have time to bask in how well that went because there was only a two hour break before we were going to shoot the second show uh, where I had to do Bossa Nova Baby, the Elvis song. <laughs> you try shaking your hips in a taco shell. Nobody will know. You, know, you might see the, the lettuce move a little bit, but that, <laughs> that's about it. So that was that was tough. And then the last one I did on the following day was uh, Sugar Pie Honey Bunch, which I really enjoyed. But I got voted off after three songs. And I said, and it was the God's honest truth on the show. I said, I, I'm fine with this. This is the hardest I've worked in years. Wow. Because you couldn't. And the strange thing was it was shot on the same stage that we did Dancing with the Stars. So I was home, but I couldn't interact with anybody. Right. They, would, they would pick me up at the house and I had a, 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 a mirrored shield on and a hoodie and gloves so even and, the other contestants nobody talked to anybody no they oh. brought me i had a pseudonym to get through the gate then they brought me right to my trailer the vocal coach would come by you know every so often they'd come by like take a lunch order or whatever but i couldn't interact and it was the same wow. technical crew and and craft services and things like that and i found out later that uh, Cheryl, who does not Cheryl Burke, but uh, Cheryl, who does our craft services or did she she realized it was me. And it wasn't anything I said, but it was something I did that I wasn't even conscious I did. Apparently, uh, when I was walking by craft services, she was out and 
And I would typically, when we were doing dancing, I'd go, hey, Cheryl, and tap her on the shoulder and keep walking. And apparently, without even realizing it, I walked by and I tapped her on the shoulder, didn't say anything, but kept walking. And it, it was like just an automatic. Right. And the moment she felt the shoulder tap, she, she went, knew that's Tom. She knew, yeah. of course. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, so what made you, I mean, that had to be a terrifying thing. What, what, why did you agree to do that? Like, because I don't it was why. a terrifying thing. Exactly right. It, because I, because it was unnerving, you know, it was some, I, people didn't know I could sing. I can sing within a certain range. I mean, I'm comfortable. Right. I, I don't have a multi-octave range or anything that's going to get me a recording career, but, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a good singer within that, within those parameters but I'd never done it really on, on television before. Um, and so, and I just thought it, it was just a, and I, I'm very fond of Izzy and she had reached out and I just, I wasn't, you know, I was between seasons on, on the dancing show, little knowing that I was about to be fired, but, but <laughs> um, so I just thought, why not? You know, this'll, this'll be fun. It was right before the pandemic hit too. So it was like the last, one of the last things I was able to do along has, with the web have, have you said no to anything like that like anything kind of out there have you have you, have you ever turned something like that down because like i don't want to make a fool out of myself or i don't want to do have you ever said oh, no? i think i you... think if not making a fool out of myself was the criterion <laughs> that the criteria that 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 ship is sailed <laughs> that ship has sailed a long time ago <laughs> i did 15 years of dad jokes in america's funniest videos you know come on okay so let's go there but if marie is asking if if chloris who was in my living room ever did dancing with the stars and she yes did. and she and was she wonderful did. she was so there as a matter of fact chloris uh the last time i saw her actually was just a few months before she passed mm -hmm. i was hosting ed asner's 90th birthday party and and Cloris uh, was on stage with me and and we just had a great time it was like an improv dirty comedy routine but um I on, had one of my own with her oh I bet I bet so on dancing uh, she was dancing with Corky Ballas Mark Ballas's dad mm -hmm. and they finished a dance and they came over to me to get the critique and all of a sudden I felt an ankle on my shoulder and Cloris, amazingly limber, she was about 82 or 83 at the time, just because I was there and she wanted and to she do could. it suddenly, and she could, there, <laughs> there was her, her ankle up on my, oh, hi, hi You see, Cloris. now I was wondering if when you were saying some stars because it was difficult would get challenging, and I was wondering if Cloris might have been one of them, because I, oh, those no, dance she was... numbers had to be so hard. Yeah, but I mean, it was challenging, but you, I mean, you knew her. She had such a zest for oh. life and she loved to kind of see if she could rattle you a little bit, uh, she, which which I loved. Um, she, she played uh, Frau Brucha to me the entire mm. time she was in my house. She would not smile. She glared at me. Oh, she she was lovely to everybody else, but she yeah. played that character for three hours right. in my living room. Yeah, I don't doubt it. I mean, she really had, um, she must have on some level inspired Andy Kaufman to totally commit to a persona or a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Oh, one of my favorite, I just this sort of uh, off topic, but I'm just thinking of one of my favorite moments from uh, dancing, making somebody laugh. Uh, mm -hmm. Before a show, I got a knock on my dressing room door and it was Tim Conway and his granddaughter. 
and and they just came in to say hi before they uh, went out to the audience to sit down. And as it happened, Tim was sitting uh, at the end of a row uh, where I would go back and forth during commercial breaks just mm -hmm. to confer with the producers and such. And I thought, I want to, I just want to break up Tim Conway because <laughs> Tim Conway, you know, was notable for turning Harvey Corman into a puddle of giggles and everybody. So it's a live show. Mm -hmm. Stage manager is telling me, all right, Tom, we're back in 20 seconds. And I decided to just do Tim's old man walk, you know, that rapid fire kind of <laughs> thing that you don't really go far. You just seem, and, and of course with 20 seconds, 18 seconds, 15, and I'm doing it. And he, he broke up, he broke Aww. up. And I figured that's it. I'm good. I don't even remember who was on the show that night other than I broke up Tim, Tim Conway. What a joy that yeah, is. And, yeah. I, and I know you've, you've had those kind of moments with a lot of your heroes. We'll oh, talk yeah, about a little bit yeah. of that. Um, I'm getting it's more questions and comments oh. from you than I ever get. Somebody's saying, um, did you get to pick your own character on the, uh, the mask singer? Did they make uh, no, you a they were, or? I had a choice between two. As he said, we have two costumes left. One is mm -hmm. a taco and the other one is a jellyfish. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't want to be a jellyfish. You know, that's uh, tacos. I think, I think everybody loves tacos for the most part. People aren't crazy about jellyfish. No. Generally. So I went with the taco. I'm glad I, I think did. you made a good choice. Yeah. Uh, Claudine says your fly me to the moon is the best rendition. She was blown away. Oh, thank you. And she loved it. Yes. Thank you. Um, okay. There, th there's too many things to read. Oh, oh, when Marie Osmond fainted. Yeah. Oh my God. And you were there live and you, you dealt with that brilliantly. You well, know, was that terrifying you. for you? No, uh, because think about it. I mean, it, I'll take the compliment, but when you think about what I actually did, I, th I just threw to a commercial. Yeah. But you, you know, now I, didn't panic. Well, I didn't panic. My first concern was, is she all right? Right. Right. It, my first concern wasn't as a TV host. It was as a friend. Right. You know, is this, did she just pass out because she got too excited and it's a blood sugar thing or is right. it a heart thing? Right. Right. So I just said, you know, we're going to get, uh, we're going to check this out. We'll be right back. That's all I did. It was a, probably our longest commercial break. Paramedic came in. I was uh, going to say, so what did you do? It cuts to commercial. What's the next thing you do? Well, I just let the medical people that we had on staff come and assess. And, uh, but I was still leaning over looking at her and she blinked her eyes open and she caught my eyes first. And the, the, the first thing she said was, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coming from when, an Osmond, that's perfect. Well, well, because she realized, oh, I've just passed out and what the hell's going on? And you're, you're disoriented. A few years later, she had a, uh, a talk show on, I think it was on the Hallmark Channel. Mm -hmm. And I was a guest on the talk show and she had an audience, studio audience. And she mentioned to me during our segment, she said, you know, a lot of people thought I faked that, that I really? didn't really faint. And I said to her audience, I said, look, I was standing right over her. She did not fake it. I've never seen even an Osmond look that white. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, I wish you would have gotten to say that on the air. Oh, it got a good <laughs> laugh. I mean, she, and she laughed better than anybody. I mean, she's got a great sense of humor. Oh, you did say it on the air. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah, said it on her show. On, the air. <laughs> on her show. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> don't you don't want to waste good material come on oh, that, i thought you were telling saying that to her i love no that you said that no I, I said it well i said it to her and her audience on yes. her show yeah. perfect perfect yeah. perfect so all right america's home videos you uh, funniest home videos you just yeah. brought that up so yeah. that engaged you with more people mm. in the and still does uh, the um, Matt, the Entertainment Tonight reporter, uh, when we got to uh, the Wagmore Pet Rescue Place yesterday for the mm -hmm. piece, he he told me that his son Macklin watches all my seasons that are on Disney Plus, and and he had record Macklin had recorded uh, him doing my introduction. He here's Tom Bergeron, so we did a video for Macklin, uh, I, and I said, gee. Macklin, you say your name better than I do. I mean, thanks. That was good. But yeah, I still get, you know, kids coming up or or uh, college age or older people who who say they they grew up with me, and it's it's wonderful. It's it's one of the great dividends of it, I think. When you were doing it, Tom, I can only imagine just as a comic uh, would always have someone. No, you should do this bit because this is really funny. And I, I would imagine people were coming up to you all through those years telling you about videos of their, no? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and I would just, you know, I'd tell them, don't don't give it to me because you got you to gotta <laughs> submit it properly and then be eligible to, to win uh, some money. The, the, the show I'm proudest of, though, sorry for popping my pee, um, the, the show I'm proudest of is when I finally convinced Bob Saget to come back and co-host for our 20th season. And uh, and that was pure, pure joy. And and Bob then helped me do the button at the end of my 15 years when I when I had decided to leave uh, mm -hmm. during the end of the 25th season. And Bob did this great little bit with me at the end where we drive off in a golf cart together, uh, which was which was very sweet. So that was a pretty shocking uh, loss right there. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that and now Gilbert Gottfried recently, um, who I guess has been ill for a while. But you know, these are two two people, sort of my peer group in terms of age. So, mm -hmm. and uh, in terms of uh, vitality and such, uh, both were. Um, I was I, I had lunch with Amy Yazbek recently. We were talking about how Bob's death kind of was similar to how I felt John. when I heard that John died, John Ritter died, mm -hmm. because it was so unexpected. And, and, uh, you know, we were good buddies. And, and just, it's, it still seems unreal. In all three of those cases, it still feels unreal. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the fact that you knew the side of Bob that not a lot of people, I mean, Bob was you know, America's darling uh, person, but yeah. so foul and fun. Well, yeah, but, but, if, but total cupcake of a guy, I mean, just a sweetheart of a guy and, uh, and, and just a real loving person too. Uh, I think John Mayer, who, who spent more time certainly than, than I did with Bob had a great line after Bob died. He said, uh, for Bob, there was his real family mm -hmm. uh, in first place, his full house and fuller house family in second place, and then 30,000 of us vying for third place. <laughs> and I thought, I thought that that's really kind of accurate because he was so generous with his support and his affection 
Mm. And um, it, it just, it made you feel like, you know, oh, I may, may, maybe I'm in third place. You think I'm in third? I think I'm in third place. Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So uh, the, the trilogy of your, of your big show, your hosting show. So Hollywood Squares, is yeah. that as fun as it appears that it yes. would be? It was, it really, it was six wonderful years. The first four uh, with Whoopi as one of the executive mm -hmm. producers in Center Square. And then the last two with Henry Winkler and Michael Levitt as uh, executive producers. And, uh, and I just had lunch recently with Henry who, and I, er, after every episode of Barry, I send him a, I send him a quick text because I'm just completely blown away by He's so fantastic. He's so great. And He's Hater so is amazing. amazing. And but the show, for those who uh, haven't seen season three, which is currently airing, it's, uh, it's the darkest of the seasons, but it's still really funny. I mean, it's emotional and uh, it's heart-wrenching in a way that I think even the previous two didn't even dare to venture into. Mm -hmm. At least that's my perception. And I think Henry is, uh, he should be up for another Emmy for this season. He's definitely. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. he's fantastic. Yeah. What, what else are you binging these days? What are you and Lois watching? We binged... Um, a lot of, and it just sort of happened by accident, a lot of Canadian television shows. Okay, you were uh, telling me some weird ones last time I saw you. So what, do you, what have you been watching Let me reiterate lately? some of that. There's okay. uh, a, a murder mystery show set at the turn of the last century, uh, set in okay. Toronto called Murdoch Mysteries, which is currently in season 15. And I've- Wow. Uh, yeah. And I've had uh, lunch here in California with the star Yannick Besson when he was here. And I'm currently uh, conniving with his wife, Chantel, to be a bad guy in season 16. Ooh. I figured I even I put this out publicly. I said, Chantel, I'm going right to you because I think you're the power broker here. It's not Yannick. So I'll go right to you. <laughs> so. And Bill uh, Shatner played, uh, 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 who did he play? Mark Twain, of all people. He played Mark Twain in an episode of Murdoch. Also, uh, some sitcoms that I absolutely love. Corner Gas, set at a gas station in Saskatchewan, a little gas station diner. And uh, Kim's Convenience, which is, which How do you stars... find these shows? I've never I, heard You know, of it's shows. like you get on Amazon and, uh, you, you know, it's like you watch one show and it says, because you oh. watch this, you might like that. Right. And, you know, those three uh, uh, just were great. As a matter of fact, one of the, the, the major cast members on um, Kim's Convenience, Simu Liu, is Shang-Chi in the Marvel movie, uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So he's he's been doing quite well for himself. <laughs> are you in the midst of any binge? Are you doing anything right now? Is, is anything are, well, your... we're 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 doing uh, Murdoch uh, season 15. Uh, I'm also uh, Kaylee Cuoco's uh, HBO Max uh, series. The flight attendant is amazing. Uh, season one, I didn't think they could top it. And she's doing it in season two. There's a wonderful you know, I, we couldn't get past the couple episodes oh you gotta you stopped. gotta yeah it gets it's so good it's so good and 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 also uh and i think on paramount plus is the offer which is another the story. one watch the first episode oh, keep, i can't you, you got you see this is your problem with meditation too you've got to persevere <laughs> I know, you can't I give up. up at the first uh <laughs> crossroad you gotta because miles teller is amazing in this and the um 
the actor who plays his assistant, she's on um, Ted Lasso as well. I'm, I'm blanking on her name. But I love she, the, is she the blonde from Ted yes, Lasso? The, yes. I love her. Well, love let her. me tell you, she is, uh, again, right. you talk about people who should get Emmys. She's dynamite she's in this. Really you got to go back, give these shows another shot. Kaylee does amazing work uh, throughout season one, gets better in season two, believe it or not. And the offer is uh, is brilliant. It's just so bizarre. You come into and it's it, all it's and and so it's an English actor who plays uh, Bob Evans, right? Bob right. Evans, who was the head of Paramount. Right. Uh, one of his wives uh, is a friend of mine. So I got when he was married to uh, my friend uh, Leslie Ann, I got to go to uh, Edward uh, Evans' house to watch the kid stays in the picture with Evans. Wow. in his screening room that wow. ultimately burned down um and the the i blanking on the name of the english actor who plays evans in the offer but he has evans voice down perfect i mean and the whole demeanor and uh the, hey baby hey welcome welcome you know that kind of that schmoozy hollywood thing that he he was masterful at oh, yeah wow so those are some so good shows to binge right there so, Tom, what's your, what, how long have you and Lois been married? We just celebrated our 40th anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And we still how like did, each other. We still, which is, which is she still puts up with me. Yeah. How, how did you guys meet? Um, I was doing a radio show in New Hampshire, a nightly radio show, and she was a producer director for public television mm -hmm. and public TV stations, I think across the country, do fundraising auctions every so often. Mm -hmm. And my program director came to me and said, we'd like to do your radio show from the studio of the uh, auction mm -hmm. on the campus of UNH. And uh, at first I kind of balked, but then they'd been so supportive of me. I thought, okay, why not? What and is UNH? Saw, because it's going to obsess Oh, you University of New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Uh, in Durham. And that's where the studios were located at the time. And uh, I got there and they set me up a nice little area. I could do my show. And I saw this uh, hot redhead barking orders at people and swearing like a truck driver. And I thought, <laughs> I got to meet her. Good girl for me. <laughs> so 41 years later, here we are. Uh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And so you mentioned radio. I know that's where you came from and yeah. what your first passion was. How, how did that start for you, Tom? Uh, I was in, I always knew I wanted to be in radio. Why? Television how was a happy accident, actually. I, I didn't really aspire to be in TV so much, but radio, yes. And there well, was- Where did that passion get kicked? Did you remember where, how that happened for you? It's hard, hard to pinpoint a time ever since I can remember, I, I would do like on family outings, because it was my sister, myself and our parents. Mm -hmm. And like on Sunday drives or something, I'd be hanging my head out the back window at eight years old, pretending to do a travelogue series. <laughs> you know, and my mother would do you're gonna get your head clipped off, get in there. Um, uh, she sounded like that too. She had that voice. <laughs> sounded like Edward G. Robinson. <laughs> um, so I was always drawn to that. And when I was in high school, there was a, a teacher, an English and public speaking teacher, who I found out was a part-time newsman at the local radio station. So I made it my goal to ingratiate myself to him and take his course. And it, it my Machiavellian scheme worked. He, we became fast friends. He introduced me to the station manager. I was working part-time in radio, 
when I was still a senior in high school. Wow. And, uh, and stayed with that station for a few years after after graduation. Did you have the articulation, the the voice, or did you have to learn it? It was uh, sort of osmotic because um, my dad would record, my late father would record my sister and I with him singing Christmas songs and talking and everything, like when we were little kids, like six mm -hmm. and four. And, and I had a very clear Boston, New England accent then. But I also listened to these people that I love, like Gene Shepard out of New mm. York and, you know, people in Boston radio like uh, Larry Glick and Dave Maynard, people like that, and uh, who regional people would know. But, um, but I think just through osmosis, I heard them, I emulated what I was hearing. So it, it tended to diminish the New England Boston accent. Without if, taking diction class, without No, studying? nothing. No, none of that. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. None of that. I'm a good mimic, I think. I think that happens. You are. And does does it ever, does your original accent, does the accent ever come out? If I'm like really tired or really drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get get a couple of tequila shots in, with, in me and it's like, I parked the car over there. <laughs> yeah, 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 good. So, okay, so rate, how did, how did radio how long did you do radio and how did that segue to TV? Um, accidentally, it did. Uh, by the time I was doing the radio show in New Hampshire, the nightly radio show, it was, the, again, the station management gave me so much freedom. Wait, what kind of radio were you doing, Tom? Well, it was, uh, you know, it was sort of a, a top 40 station, theoretically. Mm. Okay. But from seven to midnight, they let mm. me do kind of whatever I wanted to do. So I'd have wow. musicians come in and perform live. Wow. If I found a, a story that made me laugh, I would get on the phone and call anywhere in the globe. Like I, there was a woman who was a regular on the show, Beverly Foreman lived in Australia <laughs> and I would call her for a down under update. <laughs> and, uh, and one time all it consisted of was me telling her, Beverly, I hear that if, if you flush the toilet south of the equator, the water goes down counterclockwise. Whereas if you're north of the equator, like we are, it goes down clockwise. And she went, I don't believe it. All right. And so she went, I do a lousy Australian accent, um, but not on tequila. Uh, and then she went over, she brought the phone in, flushed the toilet and went, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Is that really true? Yeah. And it goes counterclockwise down the, yeah. So wow. those of you planning a trip to Australia, be sure to flush. <laughs> if it's anyway. yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, <laughs> flush if it. If you're down. not going, flush <laughs> anyway. So, so uh, I know that you have a background in improv. How, which came first, the improv or the radio? Um, they were kind of parallel tracks because I was doing, uh, like I was involved in sort of theater right. while I was doing radio. I was part of a. It was interesting too, because I was part of a mime troupe while I was doing a morning radio show. So a buddy of mine said, because I would do mime performances in the evening and a radio show in the morning. So he said, it's weird because when we hear you, we can't see you. And when we see you, we can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical. Yeah. yeah. Um, so was the dream was the dream ever to be 
an actor? Was that ever part of the thing? That was, yeah, and and that's still something that you know I something I you enjoy. Do. We'll and, talk about and dabble in occasionally, and uh, you know I've I've had the opportunity to do uh, things here or there, from Star Trek to uh, to Castle to to uh, to little web series and things like that, and it's always fun. It's always fun to step outside of my own. Uh, comfort zone and personality and try to imbue something real into another character. How did, how did uh, this, how did this segue to TV happen and how did hosting become, you know, because basically it's a similar thing to what I do and we're, right. we're live and we're in the moment yeah. and we are featuring other people. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, you have to, you have to be a good listener, which you are. What? And you have to be willing to let the focus not be on yourself, which not a lot of people in showbiz can do that. Well, here's the thing about that. I believe it, it's sort of like the old saying that a rising tide lifts all boats. Hmm. If you're with good people and you embrace that, mm -hmm. they're going to make you like when I did Hollywood Squares, there'd be times I would show up because we would shoot five in a day. Wow. And, you know, inevitably, sometimes I'd show up either jet lagged or whatever from flying from New York, or I just wasn't in my, and I didn't try to force it. I decided on those mornings, I would be a fan because look at this. I got nine incredibly talented people, right. many of them just hilarious. I don't have to try. I'll just respect that. I'll let them entertain me. And inevitably, that would prime my pump. So I'd be like halfway through a show and I'd find I'd find it again because of them, because I let them in, you know, and I wasn't, I gotta, I can't, I'm not feeling it. I gotta be funny. I gotta, you know, and, and if you're with talented people, every so often, just let yourself surf on that because, you know, it, it's, it's to your benefit to be in their company, really, you know. Absolutely. But, but the rate is. So the I asked you six questions in one. Yeah, so that's right. But the, the one that okay. I think was the, the, the TV thing happened because of the radio show in, in New Hampshire. There were people okay. in the listening area of that mm -hmm. radio show who worked in Boston television mm -hmm. who liked the show and reached out and said, hey, we're doing this type of TV show. We'd like you to come down and audition for it. And I got a couple of calls like that, one of which led to a job at the then NBC affiliate WBZ in Boston. And that was my television and radio home for the better part of 13 years. And is, what, where, did, where did it break for you? Where, where, did the, where did your life change? When did your life change? Puberty. <laughs> Big change. <laughs> Big change. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, when did people start knowing who Tom Bergeron was when you were going into restaurants and on the street? Well, there was, you know, there was certainly a regional um, recognition factor from all the work I did in, in Boston. And right. I remember one time when our oldest daughter, Jessie, was just really little, maybe five or so. And we were at a restaurant and uh, a number of people had come up. I was doing a daily talk show at that point, a live talk show. And several people came up and, oh, I love the show. And I said, blah, 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 just, you know, very friendly and all that. And as we were leaving the restaurant, I was holding Jesse's hand and she went, daddy, why does everybody have to watch your show? <laughs> and I said to her, that's why we can eat out in restaurants, Jess. <laughs> that's why we can afford to do this. Yeah. 
Yeah. I was just, I'm binging an old, a show that's been around for a little while, Better Day, Better Things. Did you ever watch Pamela Adlon's Better Things? Oh, pa- she, now she is also on, uh, was she on Californication? Yes. I think that I, I she don't. Was, she was Runkle's girl. Wasn't she Runkle's wife? Yes. 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 Yeah. Cause, okay, so- Cause he and I were the first two guys who showed up for Women Who Write. That's right, Evan Handler. You were the first talk- two guys. We were, we're the gonna, first that, two penises. Well, you were the, you were the very first that I booked. You were here on the same day, but we're on the same day, yeah. But you yeah. were the guy that I booked. But anyway, if, if I I highly recommend it's on Hulu. Well, I I think Adlon, she's wonderful. Yeah, with Louis C.K. Uh, did this show Better Days, and it was many seasons. I I think there are five of them, and I'm watching it now. And her daughter in the in the episode that I watched last night, I'm in like season two or three or something. Her daughter, she plays an actress in in the show. And her daughter says, you know, I've never watched any of your shows ever because I wanted you to just be my mommy. I didn't want you to be famous. I didn't want to share you with all these people. So was it some was it challenging Mm. for your for your girls? I think so, too. I think some of it, too, was um, we made a Lois and I made a determination because of the nature of how the shows I hosted out here in California. Mm-hmm. would shoot like Hollywood Squares, we'd do 10 in a weekend. Uh, America's Funniest Videos, I'd shoot two one-hour shows maybe every other week. Right. So there was no point for a lot of those years forcing the kids to come out, leave their friends, leave their school, and completely uproot their lives. Right. But the downside of that was that I was away a lot still. Mm-hmm. You know, we made that determination for them, but... Mm-hmm. I think until they got a little older, they didn't realize that the dad was kind of taking the bullet for them uh, so that they could stay in the school that they loved with the people they knew in the house that was home to them. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, our, our oldest daughter at one point, as she was about to go into her senior year in high school, which as you can imagine is, is you know a transition that you don't want to disrupt. She said, you know, dad, um, you've been doing this a long time and, and uh, we're willing to move out to California if it would make it. And our youngest daughter echoed that sentiment. And I thought, wow, that's what a, what a lovely wow. gift. So we met with the principal, the then principal of uh, the school that they would have gone to had we made the move. And I thought uh, he was an asshole. <laughs> and uh Wow. So we got to the car, my wife and I, after this meeting, and uh, and I, I was being very, you know, just sort of oh, smiling and nodding during the meeting. And Lois said, what did you think? And I said, no effing way. And she went, oh, I didn't, I thought I could, I couldn't read. I said, well, I wasn't gonna, you know. <laughs> so I called Connecticut because the girls were back in Connecticut with a friend and and Jesse answered and I said, hey, Jess, we just met uh, with the principal and I can't do this. I can't do this. And, she, and Jesse went, oh, thank God. Aww. I went, I went, but I thought you were willing to. She goes, yeah, but I didn't think it would happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but I imagine uh, we did the bi-coastal thing when Gabe was working out here and the kids were still in school in New York before we came out. And yeah. The quality of time, though, when he was there with them was so, which I assume was the situation. Yes. As well. Yeah. 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 No, we're all um, we're all very, very close. And uh, yeah, it, it 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 definitely was the right decision. 
to are you still doing the bi-coastal thing well no yeah to extent we still have property back east and i have family back east my sister and her her adult children and and in one case uh the grand niece and nephew um are so we're going to be heading back in a few weeks to spend time with them yeah and so okay let's talk about your pandemic lifestyle oh um, yeah what, what you and lois have been how at the time we talked about a year ago when you were going mm. to some stores and doing some things how have so you travel you go yeah. on plane you get on yeah. planes yeah. have you gotten co and you haven't gotten no COVID? no uh we've been really none of us have we've been really uh and I was reading an article today that 86 million Americans uh, are reported to have gotten COVID. And of course, over a million died, including some family members. Oh, um, sorry. But yeah, uh, well, I think that's true for many of us. And uh, yeah, and we just, we've been fortunate, but, but, you know, we were able to kind of create a bubble. You know, it, we were, we, we, it, I didn't, you know, this is where I had to be honest about the fact that we were at a point in in my life and career where I didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, I got to go to work. I gotta, yeah, I have to get on the highway. I got to, you know, I, I, I spent the first year, I think I told you last time we talked, doing about 800 uh, cameo videos to raise money for the SAG after COVID fund because mm -hmm. so every production was shut down. Right. So, you know, people who were living paycheck to paycheck didn't have one. Wow. So, you know, it, it didn't, you know, for me, I would just, uh, I'd put my iPad under my arm and tell Lois, I'm going out to work. And I'd sit on the outside and I'd record whatever, how many cameos and send the money to uh, SAG after his COVID how fund. How lovely is that? And then last year did it for MPTF, the Motion Picture Television Fund. How lovely yeah. is that? Yeah. But and, it was, so you know, it was... It was fun for me. I didn't. Mind. You were writing a book the last. Time. Oh God! Yeah, I knew you were going to bring this I, up. I, I, I'm, all right. Well, first of all, I have to. I have to. That's hold the up one the I finished. <laughs> okay. This is all right. Don't feel bad about that. I'm hosting okay. as fast as I can. When Tom had just finished this book, the very first reading he did of this book was in the right. living was in the living room here yeah. for the women who write. The very first man to ever read at Women Who Write. Yeah. Um, and then you read on my show for the first time ever, something from Drive Time. You Drive read time. the opening. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to feel any shame or guilt about not finishing because boy, I have one book also. So um, are you still going to? Are you not into it anymore? Not what, into what? it. Any I, I think it was and a friend of mine who was my co-host on the show I did years ago on FX, Breakfast mm -hmm. Time. Uh, then she was Lori Hibbert. Now she's Lori Gelman, married to Michael Gelman of, uh, I was going to say Regis and Kathy Lee, but that's the about view, nine, right? nine hosts. No, it's like, <laughs> oh. who is it now? It's. Oh, is Gelman the. Yeah, Gelman's, it's uh, yeah, Ryan oh. and. Oh God, I don't know. There've been nine people that. Uh, yeah, I don't know who it is. Uh, Kelly, oh, right. Kelly, Kelly and Ryan. Right. Uh, but anyway, so Lori has her fourth book coming out now. She's done. She's so funny. She's a great writer. And it's. Uh, class mom mm -hmm. and then you've been volunteered and it's all based on her actual uh, experiences as a class mom but she has fictional characters and she she asked me if I minded that she named uh, her characters parents after my parents because my parents have had rhyming names Ray and Kay so Ray and Kay became the parents of this uh, protagonist so Lori and I, when she was writing her fourth book, mm 
I was writing drive time and we'd send each other pages. And, uh, but she had an actual contract and deadline. I was just doing it for, you know, shits and giggles. And, and, uh, right. and I just kind of lost interest in it <laughs> after a while. I realized sadly, I didn't care what happened to any of my characters. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I think that's bad. If you're an author and you really don't care what happens to them, it's probably best that you stop. <laughs> so what what has had your attention and your passion? Well, um, that's a, and if it's nothing, and if it's no, just it's, being no, a person, that's good too. There's actually a project we're trying to get it, uh, trying to move it downfield. Uh, my sister and I, back in March of last year, bought back our childhood home, wow. and and she and my brother-in-law live in the house that my sister and I grew up in. Wow! And, and both the previous owners who owned it for about five years and mm -hmm. my sister and brother-in-law have completely redone the whole interior and so it's it's a new house with old memories if you will it's and i was telling uh uh william shatner we were having lunch telling him about oh, that and i was telling william well I, I hate to drop names but that's just the, okay. the reality of it we love uh, this yeah and bill said that could be a movie and i said well i don't know if that's a movie but maybe something inspired by that so we broke at that lunch uh, the basic outline of a story, a holiday movie, that then I brought in another friend who brought in uh, two, uh, two women who are going to write the screenplay, one of whom will direct, who's directed a number of Lifetime and uh, Hallmark movies. This, would, this is a little edgier than Hallmark would, would like, but we, so now we're, uh, we're just about to sign a deal with Village Roadshow. I love uh, this. To, to actually do it. And uh, and Bill and I and our, my friend Nat Bernstein are the executive producers. Bill and I will get story credit. And, uh, and Marla and Katie, um, who will write the screenplay, and Marla Sokoloff will, will direct, and Katie Keene and she will write the screenplay. And this just all happened from conversation? Yeah, this, uh, the, the amazing enthusiasm of Bill, who at 91 is still rocketing into space and riding horses and... and wow. I told him that we had lunch recently. I said, I got to teach you how to relax, man. God, <laughs> you got nine I, things going I bet at once. He does, does he meditate? Probably not. Uh, no, he's too busy. To, he's too busy yeah. to meditate. Yeah. Wow. Uh, my, uh, Laura, one of our wonderful COVID crazy said that she bought her childhood home. Tom Wolf was right. She said, well, you can never go home. Um, I guess she sometimes me. you can. And sometimes, sometimes you, can. you can. There are so, exceptions to every rule. Are you going to, you're not going to use the actual house? I no, 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 no. And, and the story uh, uh, uses that experience only as an inspiration. We have, we've cut, uh, crafted a whole different story with, you know, my sister and I are very close and, mm -hmm. you know, that's lovely, but boring dramatically. Yes, so, uh, yeah, so <laughs> we, we crafted uh, three siblings, an older uh, guy and two, uh, two twin women, and they've been at odds and haven't been speaking and through circumstances have to come back to this house as they uh, bury their, their last remaining parent. And, uh, and the house, you're left to wonder, is the house bringing them back together? Are these things that are happening coincidences? Or is this house built from the forest that surrounds it sentient in <gasps> some strange way? 
Did you have you watched The Shining Girls with Elizabeth Moss? No. I am going to recommend that you. Oh, watch okay. I love this Elizabeth Moss because so. she's fantastic. And, yeah. But it's about a house. And it's really? watch this watch okay. the Shining Girls because I'm sure it's completely different than what you're. It's very dark. Yeah. Well, this and wouldn't sure be this. This is a movie that ends up on Christmas Eve happily yeah. ever after. So yeah, it's very different. Yeah, this is not like that. But, yeah. <laughs> but 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 the fact that the house is such an important is a character. Yeah. I think you might be interested in this. Yeah, because that's the it's, working title of it. Actually, is the house right now. Yeah. wow yeah. well i'm excited about that what what's the messenger which you did a few years ago yeah it was years so ago. wonderful are you Thank have you. you have you do you still have hope to have that turn into something well hope springs Seriously? eternal um you know i i nothing's really happened with it other than i just am so thrilled that we did it and ben mm -hmm. shelton who's a friend is a wonderful writer director and uh that was you know something that he brought to me that we shot um, just prior to a dancing season, I think 2017. I mean, it's been four or five years, but it was such such a treat. I played I play the messenger of death. By the way, if you go to the uh, cleverly titled TomBergeron.com website <laughs> uh, and you scroll down a little bit, you can actually watch the messenger. And it's, it's about, wonderful. It's about 20 minute. Uh, pilot for what would have been a, a, a sort of Twilight Zone-ish kind of mm -hmm. series and Jean Smart's in it with us so, uh, she was wonderful and uh, and she's she's been doing okay are you, for herself. Do, are, you watching, are you watching Hacks? Have you watched Hacks? I haven't started season two yet but season one was amazing it's it was wonderful. just so yeah. good yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah you know the, that um, the young girl Hannah Einbinder is Lorraine Newman's daughter you know oh that, right? I did not know that Yes, that's the right. I did not daughter. know that. Mm -hmm. I'll be damned. Yeah, she's yeah. wonderful. But she, they have great chemistry, the two of them. Together. Wonderful. Yeah. So, so you have like this thing cooking now. So, so your day, you 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 work out. You so what's the eating like? What what? How was the eating during the pandemic? <laughs> I actually, um, because I'm a gym rat, and mm -hmm. you know, and the you know, I. Well, wait. I, what did you do when you couldn't go to the gym? I did training sessions on my iPad with my trainers because I I have I have one on this coast, one on the East Coast, and they, you know, I wanted to make sure they had some income coming in. So I would I would put my iPad out in the back and I got myself some some weights and stuff. And yeah, we did. Uh, and, uh, you know, and when it, it was great, because during leg exercises, if the Wi-Fi went out for a bit, I could always alter the count, you know. <laughs> be like one, two, Wi-Fi gets sketchy, 28, 29, you know, so it worked. I can't do it in person, but boy, it worked. It's like magic. <laughs> okay, so, we did, I, you know, yeah. the trainer I was with at the time, uh, we did a lot of hiking because that was, you know, they're great hikes here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you're out in the open fresh air. So we did that for most weekends for a couple of years. And and what was your eating different? Because no, it wasn't really. You, yeah, I'm, do you go to a lot? Of, you must go to a lot of restaurants normally. But I, there was a time when we weren't going to restaurants. Right. Then, and they would, you know, then they the DoorDash thing they could deliver or whatever. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I my eating really didn't change that much. It really didn't. I, I I'm not. Um, You're a healthy eater. I'm, yeah, I'm not a particularly fussy eater. Um, and I would get. I got into a routine of. 
I can't tell you why this was my pandemic go-to meal, but it was like, uh, I'd go to Gelson's, I get tuna salad, uh, and then a San Francisco potato salad and a bag of cheese puffs and oh. some IPAs. And that would be lunch. A half a tuna sandwich with some potato salad, a handful of cheese puffs and an IPA. Sounds and, pretty uh, good to me. Yeah, it was. And it's, it's color coordinated. You got the oranges <laughs> and the whites and the, you know, it's lovely. It's just picturesque. I don't know I don't how nutritious it is. green was. on there, Tom. There's no huh? lettuce, I guess. Well, you get some of that in the tuna salad, you know. <laughs> little celery. <laughs> uh, so are you enjoying this time of not having that incredibly hectic? Yes. Yeah. It really, there, there are times when, uh, especially when the edibles kick in at night <laughs> and, uh, and, and I'll kind of reflect back um, at the years that I was hosting two or three shows at a time. Mm -hmm. and uh and I'm, I'm i'm glad i did it because i had a wonderful time for the you know the great majority of it but i, I it's not something i'd want to do now you know I, I maybe a show or you know the occasional thing but but yeah that kind of schedule i'm happy to not do that anymore so th this so the house has it sounds like it's what's got your attention right now is that yeah i mean it's you know it, it's it's I, it's not moving as quickly as i would like but you know just getting contracts negotiated and signed and then you know uh, katie and marla have to actually write the screenplay and then we if it's accepted we go scouting locations and all that stuff so all of that is exciting it's mm -hmm. just you know i'm used to live performance yeah. i'm used to we decide to do something we do it it happens as opposed to this sort of slow but productive slog forward that you know takes a while so what else has your daily attention like what do you what do you what'd you do today uh, well today's not a good example because you have the entertainment tonight thing tonight you were promoting that right you were right. very kind with me and and posting about this but let's yeah. say tomorrow what are you going to do tomorrow what am i doing tomorrow tomorrow uh uh training session at 10 um just want to uh, tomorrow afternoon because we're we're going to be heading back east in a few weeks so i want to make sure that i've got the schedule there when you're sort of an absentee uh homeowner you you know you got to figure out okay all this stuff has to be lined up when i go back so i'm kind of into logistics then friday i'll go over to the motion picture television uh facility and do some voiceovers for an event they're doing for their 100th anniversary this weekend the uh they asked if i would be as they called it the voice of god the announcer i said yeah if, as long as i don't have to go <laughs> can i can i do it and not have to show up so i'll record that ahead of time do a lot of charitable well you know it, it's, it's it's easy peasy to do and it you know uh the for this for example for the the uh, event at the Wagmore uh, Pet Rescue, which we're doing on the 27th, um, I wish I had the website address here, but if you if you Google Wagmore Pet Rescue, you, it'll direct you to, there's a silent auction uh, that you can bid on no matter where you are in the country. And among the items mm -hmm. uh, that people can bid on are one-on-one uh, -on -one Zoom chats with either or both William Shatner and Kaylee Cuoco. So they've they've both been kind enough to donate some time in that regard. So, but there'll be trips to Bali and all kinds of fun stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Tom, you're fantastic, and oh, uh, you know, I, I <laughs> you, you were the first man in my living room for women who write, and that's going back 
like a decade already. Oh yeah, because the book was two thousand nine. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. It was all the way back then. Yeah. You uh, read your a piece of of the book that's never coming out. Never gonna Probably, happen. Maybe. Never gonna happen. But you treated us to the opening yeah. of that. Yeah. You've you've been so generous and so kind with me always. You always say yes, and I'm so grateful for that. And I always enjoy the time. As do I. And I hope you butt dial me some more. That was funny. That was funny because I I was in the kitchen and I heard my phone kind of doing that weird FaceTime ring that it does. And I think I think I just texted you. We just texted. So so I I don't know how that works with the phone deciding to then call you, but it did. And I I pulled it out of my pocket and there you were. Your smiling (laughs) face was. Did you just butt dial me? You know, I, think. I wasn't going to answer it because I don't usually answer those. You know, first of all, when people butt dial you, everybody butt dials me because my name is Abelson. So I'm the first one in there. So I get right. a lot of butt dials. <laughs> but, you know, and then, you know, if you're, you know, you're just, you're, you, you're just at a bit or whatever, you know, right. I usually don't answer this, but I thought this will be entertaining because I knew it was a butt dial. Right, <laughs> so right. I, I knew you'd be in the moment with yes, me. Yes, it, oh. it was just, it's all, it's all improv uh, material. Uh, whatever that's what life is isn't it it's all improv material well that kind of is what it is yeah. and uh, and you're wonderful at it well, and thank, thank you, you so much i've oh i always enjoy the time so much as do i vicky a pleasure thank you for all you do see you soon oh, bye tom bye-bye <laughs>